Jim, it is great to be here. After being in the hospital two weeks ago, it's great to be anywhere. I promise you. I got to the point where I couldn't eat, couldn't walk, couldn't do hardly anything, and and the hospital stay was one of the best things that happened to me as they helped get me straightened out. Thank God you live in America and you have all these wonderful facilities that can help you regain your health. Good to have my mom, my stepdad Roy, and my sister Connie. And we appreciate all of you being here. Invite your friends and your loved ones to come. As I thought about this series, I don't know of any series that could be more important than a series on the second coming. If you will listen to these preachers on radio and television, that's all they talk about and they've got it wrong. That's what's amazing. And I'll tell you maybe a little bit more as we go some of the things that they teach. Today we want to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. You say, well, how does that have anything to do with the second coming? Because these preachers will go to Matthew 24 and try to say that all these signs point to the second coming of the Lord. And if we can read those signs correctly, then we'll know exactly when he's coming back. Well, we're going to demonstrate that is not the case as we go through the lesson. Now, here's about the way the Temple Mount would have looked when the Lord Jesus Christ was walking the face of the earth. Here is the temple proper. Over here would be the Mount of Olives where the Lord and the disciples were when they were looking back into this area and they could see the royal store. They could see the Tower of Antonio. They could see all these buildings, the court of the women, the court of the Gentiles, the court of the Jews and so forth. It was a beautiful structure, beautiful, to say the least. Now, this demonstrates the Mount of Olivet where the Lord would have been looking, he and the disciples, back over into this area. And we'll see what he says in just a moment about it. Now, if you're going to read about the destruction of Jerusalem, you'll find three major accounts. There's other places in the Bible. But Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Now what's amazing about the Matthew account, the Lord shows you where he's going to start and say all these things are going to come upon this generation. And when he gets through, he says, now the things I've told you about, they will come upon this generation. Now notice the beginning point. Keep in mind the Bible was not originally divided into chapters. In Matthew 23, 36, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. The Lord says, all the things I'm fixing to tell you will come upon this generation. Then he tells them X number of things. And then when he gets to verse number 34, he says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. That's amazing. He gives us the beginning point and the ending point and says these things are going to happen on Jerusalem. They're going to depict the fall of Jerusalem and the temple area and yet people take these verses to apply to the second coming. Now did Jesus give signs for the end of the world? 
The answer is obvious, no. How do you know that, Wesley? I'm going to demonstrate it. In Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Then watch this. Here's a key verse. Mark 13, 32, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, watch it, neither the Son, but the Father. Now, if the Son did not know the date of the second coming, how in the world could he give signs that would lead right up to it? And they said, oh, if you could read those signs, you'd know when it was going to occur. Why couldn't Jesus Christ read them? Why couldn't he figure out when it was going to occur? Because it is not dealing with the second coming. These things are dealing with the destruction of Jerusalem. In Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Josephus, other historians, demonstrate clearly that came to pass. And if you go over to the Temple Mount today, you'll see. It came to pass. You won't find the temple. You won't find the royal stoa. You won't find the tower of Antonio. You won't find the court of the women, the court of the Gentiles, the court of the Jews. Now watch Mark's account. We'll find out which disciples were there. In Mark 13, 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter, James, and John... And Andrew asked him privately, Now we know the disciples that were with him, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And they're on the Mount of Olivet, looking over to the Temple Mount and saying, Look at those marvelous buildings. When the Lord says, Well, I got news for you. The day is coming when one stone will not be left upon another. Now, boy, that had to get their attention, to say the least. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, you remember that even his disciples had a materialistic view of the kingdom for a long time. And to say that the temple was going to be destroyed where God demonstrated his very presence to a Jew is almost saying the world's going to come to an end at that point. And I'm sure to some degree the disciples were thinking along that line. Well, tell us when these things shall be. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, I'm convinced he answers two questions, two parts. Number one, when would Jerusalem be destroyed and the temple? What would be the signs that would lead up to it? When would the second coming occur? And what would be the signs? Now he gave some signs. And the signs, just an ordinary day. We'll see it in a minute if we can get that far uh, in our lesson. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Well now wait a minute. Lord, why are you 
worried about someone deceiving your disciples when don't you know they're going to be raptured out of here? They're not going to be in all this? No, friends. The Bible does not teach a rapture as taught by the denominational world. We on live radio have begged these preachers to call in and give book, chapter, and verse for the rapture. They can't give book, chapter, and verse, and we know that. And we plead with them to do it. But now notice what Josephus says. The Lord says, watch out for imposters. He says the land was overrun with magicians, seducers, and imposters who drew the people after them in multitudes into solitude and deserts to see the signs and miracles which they promised to show by the power of God. Jesus knew that was going to occur. And he warned his disciples, beware, do not be deceived when people say that I'm here, I'm there, or whatever the case might be, as we'll see in a moment. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In 1991, when we went to war for the first time with Iraq, on the radio station where we present A Rise to Truth, all over the TV, everywhere, denominational preachers were saying, this is it. Oh, what a wonderful time to be alive, to see the prophecies of the Bible literally fulfilled and seeing that this is going to lead right up to the Battle of Armageddon. And we told them then on radio, now ladies and gentlemen, don't forget what they said. Now when this war is over, We'll see if they'll apologize when the Battle of Armageddon does not take place. Look at all the years that have passed. And not one preacher has gotten on radio and said, look, I was mistaken. They think when you hear of wars and rumors of war, that's the end. Look at what the verse says. The verse says, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Why? Because those wars out there and those rumors of wars over there, the Lord is saying, is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the destruction of Jerusalem. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen to the Temple Mount? That's what I'm discussing. You see, but the Lord says, don't let these things bother you. Notice this. At the time he made it, that is that statement, there was peace within the Roman Empire. Shortly after the Olivet Prophecy, Palestine and other parts of the Roman Empire were engulfed in strife, insurrection, and wars. So when the Lord was talking about, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, there was peace. But the Lord said, this will be a sign that will warn you, you better, you better take note because these things are fixing to happen. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, every Friday my wife and I, we go yard selling. We love to go yard selling. Now let me tell you, if you want to do personal evangelism, go yard selling. That's the reason I go. I'll look around at a few items and maybe buy something. Maybe not, but then I corner the person that's having the yard sale, and I tell them who I am, 
And I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ, and we sure would love to have you come and be with us. Oh, I've had some great Bible studies in people's yards and homes. There's prospects everywhere if you and I will look. But here's what they do to me quite often. Well, preacher, one thing we do know, we're living in the last days. Look at the earthquakes. Look at all the famines. Why, well, you know the second coming is right at hand. Given the signs the Lord told us about in Matthew 24. That's not what's under discussion. Now let me encourage you to get you a map out about earthquakes. And if you'll look over in what we call Bible land. That is earthquake country. The seven churches of Asia. Nearly every one of those cities were destroyed by earthquakes. The Jordan Valley itself is believed to be a product of earthquakes. Same way with the Dead Sea and so forth. But I want you to notice the Bible says, verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. This is not the end. It's the beginning of sorrows. Now, here is a prophecy of famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. Now, when you go to the Bible, I want you to notice Here's a prophecy being made and fulfilled showing it's coming to pass. In Acts 11:28, And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world. Now watch it. Which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. The Lord said that was going to happen. Well, it happened. And it happened before the destruction of Jerusalem. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Here's how bad it's going to get. The people of God are going to be hated. They're going to be despised. They're going to be persecuted. Well, we see some of that taking place in the Bible. In Acts 7, 54 through 60, the death of Stephen. Acts 12, the death of James, the imprisonment of Peter. And they were going to kill Peter except the Lord miraculously delivered him. Then in Acts 23 through 28, look at what happened to the Apostle Paul. Notice that Christians would go through this persecution. Now, the denominational world won't allow that. That's why they have what they call the rapture. Where people, the righteous people are raptured out of here. And then everybody else goes through the great tribulation. And they talk about taking the mark of the beast, etc. Let me tell you something. These preachers, if you don't know the Bible, will scare you to death. With the mark of the beast and all that's coming, the antichrist, etc. But they're misusing the word of God. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end. Now that's talking about to the end of the destruction of Jerusalem through all of this. Now this is a true principle about enduring unto the end to be saved as far as time's concerned and your life's concerned. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. I heard a preacher on radio say one time, 
Hey, uh, these preachers out here are worried about the second coming. They don't need to worry about the second coming, not yet. Why? Because the gospel's got to be preached to every creature, and the gospel's never been preached to every creature. So until we get the gospel to everyone, then you don't have to worry about the second coming. Well, if that's true, let's not take the gospel to everybody. We can just keep putting the, the second coming off. You know, just don't be concerned about it. But that's not a true statement. Notice what this verse says. In Colossians 1, 5, and 6, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, now watch, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. Paul says it's been preached to all the world. Now watch him be a little more specific. In Colossians 1.23, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. The gospel's been preached to the whole world. And the Lord said that would have to be the case before Jerusalem would be destroyed. And so now we got an inspired man saying, well, it's occurred. And so we can rest assured that it has occurred. Now in verse number 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now there's something here that Daniel saw out in the future that is called the abomination of desolation. Well, what in the world is that? If you'll look at the parallel account in Luke, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Now there's the desolation, the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So, the Lord is warning there's an army coming. And this army is going to compass Jerusalem. And going to destroy Jerusalem. And the temple. And all the buildings connected there too. Well, he's trying to tell the disciples, you better take heed. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Now wait a minute. If this is talking about the second coming, what good is it going to do all of a sudden the Lord appears in the clouds and I being from Signa Mountain say to my family, let's go to Signa Mountain. Let's hurry. Well, that's not going to help anybody. You can't run from the Lord. But now if there's an army coming and you see the army coming and guess where the temple's located? In Judea, one of the provinces of Palestine, when you see that army coming, you better flee to the mountains. That's what he's talking about. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. You don't have time to get anything out of your house. You run. You've got to try to protect your life. When you see that army, you take off. I've given you all the signs that's leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, and you better pay attention. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Don't try to go back and get clothes. You run. And if you'll listen to me, you'll be all right. 
Josephus said not one Christian died in the destruction of Jerusalem. Apparently they paid attention to what the Lord told them. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. You would not believe how many phone calls we've gotten on a rise to truth asking this question. Wesley, isn't it true, according to the Bible, if a woman is pregnant, when the Lord comes back, she's going to be lost? No. No, that's not true. Well, here's a woe pronounced upon a woman with child and a woman that's got a small child. What does it mean? Well, ladies, if you're highly pregnant and you see those armies coming and the Lord told you to run, it's going to be a little tougher for you to run. Or if you've got a small child that you're breastfeeding, it's going to be hard to take care of that small child on the run. That's what the Lord is saying. That's all he's saying. Pray that you're not found in this condition. Let me tell you something. It's a wonderful thing to be a father or a mother. And the Lord calls that a blessing, a gift from him to have children. And you mean to tell me because a woman is pregnant at the second coming, she's going to be lost? Not at all. Not at all. So then notice it says, Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now if this is talking about the second coming, and we're going to be called up to meet the Lord, we better hope it's not winter time. We'll freeze to death on the way up. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about that at all. But if you've got to run from an army, you better hope it's not in the wintertime. Remember, you didn't have time to go back and get your clothes. And it's going to be cold out there. And you're not going to be able on the run to find berries growing or fruits growing on trees that you might could eat. So you better pray that your flight be not in the wintertime. That's what he's talking about. Neither on the Sabbath day. Why the Sabbath day? They locked the gates. And now you see the army coming, but they got people up there guarding the gates and you can't get out. But the Lord told you to flee. So you're to pray that it not be on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no, nor ever shall be. Now this was tremendously cruel as we'll show you in a moment what took place to the Jewish people and how they suffered because of the destruction of Jerusalem but this terminology is used several times in the Old Testament when it says there's never been anything like this before and it's used where there is tremendous devastation to make a point this is terrible. This is awesome. But I want you to notice the elect are going to be in this according to the Bible. It's the destruction of Jerusalem. He's told them to run and to take care of themselves. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I want you to notice the elect are going to be in this. They're going to go through the destruction of Jerusalem. But the Lord is telling the disciples, here's what you got to do to survive it. Listen to me. 
Look for the warning signs. And when you see the warning signs, take note. Get ready to run. And if you'll do what I tell you, you'll be all right. I want you to notice what Josephus says about this. Many were crucified, were first whipped, then tormented with various kinds of tortures, and finally crucified. The Roman soldiers nailing them due to the wrath and hatred they bore to the Jews, one after one way and another after another, to crosses by way of jest, until at length the multitude because of great, uh, so, the multitude became so great that room was warning for crosses and crosses for the bodies. They crucified so many people they were running out of trees. They had a hard time finding crosses to crucify the Jews on. This was tremendous persecution and devastation. Tremendous tribulation. There's no doubt about that. Historians like Josephus record what took place. The Lord said it was going to take place. And of course he told the truth. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. These people are going to be good at faking miracles and giving signs. The Lord said if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Lo, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Believe it not. Don't listen to him. I'm telling you the truth. Now, what's amazing is that these denominational preachers are making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of false theories. I was at a yard sale and here is a whole series of books on uh, the second coming, the rapture, and all of that. And uh, I was looking at them, and the lady said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a huge discount on those if you promise to read them. I said, ma'am, I don't intend to read them. They teach error. Error? I said, yes, ma'am. These books do not teach the truth. And there's no way in the world I'd promise you that I'd read them. She said, well, they're just kind of telling you maybe what would happen at the second coming. I said, no, ma'am, they're telling you what's false about the second coming. And so we had a good discussion on the second coming. But, man, books that have been written by people, Hal Lindsey, the late great planet Earth, all of this stuff, it's amazing. And by the way, according to Hal Lindsey, all of this should have come to an end in 1988. But it didn't. We're still here. Uh, a man wrote a book, sent it to most preachers, I'm sure. Jim and JC got it. 88 reasons why the Lord will return in 88. I gave one reason why he didn't know. The Bible says nobody knows the day nor the hour. That's the only one I had to give based on what the Word of God said. And guess what? 88 came. 88 went, and we're still here. So notice again Josephus' quote that I put in for a second time. The land was overrun with magicians and seducers and imposters 
who drew the people after them in multitudes into solitude and deserts to see the signs and miracles which they promised to show by the power of God. Jesus said, watch out, this is going to happen. Josephus said, it did happen. Just like the, war, uh, the Lord said. Now here are the verses that are problematic as far as applying this to the destruction of Jerusalem. I preached on this uh, about three weeks ago at Stony Creek. There's a man who's a member of a denomination. I called him and told him I was going to preach on it. Please come. He said, if you'll preach on it, I'll be there. So I preached on it. He said, I went along with everything you said. I agreed with everything you said until you got to verses 27 and following. Now watch these verses. And you'll see why they're problematic for some people. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I want you to notice the destruction of Jerusalem is said to be the coming of the Son of Man. But it's the coming of the Son of Man in judgment. As we'll see, we'll show you Old Testament scriptures that teach that. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. The carcass, in this case, being the Jews in Jerusalem. The eagles, the Roman Empire. That's fixing to come down upon them. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Watch this language. And the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Not the Son of Man in heaven, but the sign that he is King of kings and Lord of lords and Judaism has been destroyed. That's the point that's being made here. So then it goes on to say, And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. See, the Jews are losing their temple, their way of worship. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. See, that sounds like the second coming. But it's the Lord coming in judgment. We'll show you the same language in the Old Testament. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's simply talking about the providential care of God, how God's going to take care of his people during the destruction of Jerusalem. And the Lord started the process by telling them, watch for this, watch for that, so that you'll be ready. And so he's preparing them for it. Now watch the same language found in the Old Testament in talking about judging a nation. In Isaiah 1, or 13, verse 1, verse 9, and verse 10. Verse 1. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. All right, this is a prophecy against Babylon. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Notice it's spoken of as the day of the Lord. Cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Watch the language. For the stars of heaven and the consolations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened, and it's going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. The luminaries of that nation are going to be put out, the leaders. Same way with the leaders for the Jewish nation. 
Watch this language. Isaiah 19.1 The burden of Egypt. Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud and shall come into Egypt. That's not talking about second coming. It's talking about judgment. Same kind of language that's employed in Matthew 24. In Ezekiel 32, 2, 7, and 8. Son of man, take up a lamentation for Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light, and the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over thee, and set darkness upon thy land, saith the Lord God. Same language that's found in Matthew 24. In Amos 1 and also, uh, 5, 1 and also verse 20. Hear ye this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation. O house of Israel, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Now learn a parable. The Lord is saying if you read all these signs, you'll be in good shape. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Now when you see all the signs I've given you leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, you ought to be aware and get ready to run. I've shown you what you need to know so you can protect yourself. Now notice what the Bible says about the coming of the Lord. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Relative to the second coming, nobody knows. He comes at an hour when one thinks not. Why in the world would Luke say that if the Lord said, no, that's not true, read all the signs, and you know exactly when I'm coming back. Now in 2 Peter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That's the way the Lord is going to return. Now watch this language. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. He started in Matthew 23 saying all these things are going to come upon this generation. Now he's saying this generation will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Now look at all these things. In Matthew 23, 36, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Then in Matthew 24, 6, For all these things must come to pass. Matthew 24, 8, All these things are the beginning of sorrows. And then in Matthew 24, 33, So likewise, ye when ye shall see all these things, know it is near, even at the door. But now notice the contrast the word but, showing a contrast in verse 36. But of that day, speaking of the second coming, and hour, knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, here's the way it's going to be when the Lord returns. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah, or Noah went into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What are you saying, Lord? You want a sign for the second coming? I'll give you one. 
It'll be an ordinary day, just like it was in the days of Noah. People will be eating, drinking, giving in marriage. Now, this gives me hope. And verses in 1 Corinthians 15 and other places give me hope. What I mean by that, there are people that believe that somehow we're going to be stupid enough to blow ourselves to bits in a nuclear warfare and everybody die. I don't believe that based on this verse. That people are going to be alive, eating, drinking, giving in marriage when the Lord returns. According to what the Lord has told us. Now watch the contrast. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. What's it going to be like, Lord, when you come back? You're not going to run. Two out in the field, one ready will be taken, the other will be left. Then notice, two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. That's the only advice that can be given to you, to me. We've got to watch. We don't know when the Lord is going to come. Now let me tell you a true story. A woman called a rise to truth and said, Wesley, the rapture will occur September the 1st, 1.23 p.m., 1989. I said, Sandy, I've been to your home. You've got a nice home. On September 2nd, can I have it? <laughs> well, yeah. I said, I love your Jeep Cherokee. Can I have that on September 2nd? Yeah, you can have it, because I won't be here. I'm going to assume you've got some money in the bank. On September 2nd, can I have that money? You can have every dime of it. After I got off the phone with her, a lady called in and said, Wesley, please don't take her stuff. Well, I hadn't planned on taking her stuff. I just wanted to see how sure she was. On September the 1st, 1.23 p.m., 1989, I know exactly where I was. Used to be a clock over here. I was watching the clock and watching the hands move up, and I was praying for Sandy that somehow she'd get her eyes open and quit believing this nonsense. About two weeks later, after that date, she calls a rise to truth. And I say, Sandy, I can't believe you're calling me. This is not collect, is it? You know? She said, don't be a smart aleck. I said, where in the world are you? She said, I told you not to be a smart aleck. I said, Sandy, you're not supposed to be here. I said, how in the world did you miss that date? And she said, I don't know. The Lord told me. I said, no, Sandy, the Lord didn't tell you. The Lord told you that nobody knows the date nor the hour. Now, what's amazing, you know, we've had people recently set the date for the second coming. They won't listen to the Lord. You and I, we're to believe every word of the Bible a part of which says we do not know the day nor the hour of the second coming. Wesley, what's your advice? Same the Lord gave. Watch therefore, because we know not the day nor the hour. Thank you for your kind attention.